0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review.
1: Welcome to episode 101, I Don't Know Where I Am. This week, we're discussing series 7, episode 6 of Doctor Who, The Bells of St. John, and season 1, episode 21 of Angel, Blind Date.
0: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology all right bells of saint john
2: Yep.
0: okay so i wanted to well actually (laughs) i'm going to go off the rails right at the beginning here because i actually wanted to talk about the bells of saint john first yeah uh we were going to talk sort of about the situation and stuff but i guess let's talk about the title because that sort of is the first thing that we come up with in a way Mm um i was saying right before we started uh, recording here that I wasn't entirely sure what the title meant. Um, I mean, I get that, like it's the phone in the phone booth mm. and I somehow completely missed the reference to St. John, like on the sign right there, I guess. So, and I still, I'm I like, I still haven't even looked it up. I should go like, actually look at it to see what, where it is. Right. But Um, so like, I guess like once you pointed that out, I was like, Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. But like, I, I was sort of wondering whether there's a deeper significance in this episode. Sure. Um, Cause I mean, obviously so St. John, you know, biblically speaking, you get, well, there's several St. John's, but I assume they mean like the, the, uh, you know, apocalypse guy uh, who <coughs> did would all think the writing. So. Um, and uh, I would, but I, I, you know, as much having been, you know the son of pastors and you know been, gone through all the various studies of the bible and taken classes in college on the bible and stuff mm-hmm. i still could not come up with any <laughs> particular reference that that you know perhaps i should be shamed if there are any that um i missed but uh yeah i just was not seeing like what be, beyond that sort of humor and i mean that wouldn't be the first time a title of a Doctor Who episode really didn't have significant. It's kind beyond, of obscure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one minor piece. I mean, I'm thinking the doctor's wife. You know, sure. like
1: No, doesn't... come on. That's that's well, totally that's totally significant. I'll defend that title. But
0: No, I but you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. there's not like uh you know, dinosaurs on a spaceship. Sure. Okay. Sure. It's just like the that's it's the situation is, they're yeah. in, but it's not like there's not anything like below the surface and that's fine. Like I if, hey, if there's not, I'm not one of those people who has to like pull meaning out of the bottom most place where you can possibly get it. Right. If there isn't, if it's not there, I was just sometimes those sort of like religious or, yeah. or at least quasi religious. It feels uh, like it references. should be significant,
1: like more so right. than like dinosaurs on the spaceship. is like, does what it says on the tin can kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, this feels, because, like, before you see the episode, you know, you really can't, maybe some people guess, but I think most of us probably were like, what, what is that going to mean? You know, it's kind of, seems kind of mythic or significant. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just in kind of Googling it, there's a website that I'll link to called policeboxes.com, which is sort of a history of the police box specifically in relation to the TARDIS because it seems like these days that's the only reason anybody cares about what police boxes were
2: (laughs) is like to know
1: like the origin of it and why you know what this thing was and everything um but so I guess some or all of them were associated with um as well as being associated with police were also connected with hospitals and stuff so Um, Mm. In addition to being, like, a a box where, like, a police could, like, lock up a criminal, you know, waiting for backup, um, in the little, uh, I guess, like, kind of where the doctor has his phone, or maybe there was another compartment somewhere else where there would also be stashed, like, a first aid kit. Um, So, like, there is a shot in the episode of the, like, badge on the TARDIS that says, like, St. John's Ambulance. So I guess that's like the hospital that it was sort of affiliated with or whatever. Um, so that's kind of where the St. John reference comes in. Um, mm. And as far as like deeper meaning, like the only thing that kind of occurred to me was, you know, maybe there are references to, you know, that particular, you know, uh saint or gospel, but more so for me, this episode was actually broadcast like almost exactly two years ago, right around Easter, um, and I remember mm. thinking at the time like, there's kind of an eastery overtone to it of, um, you know, it has kind of a springtime, new relationship, new kind of, you know, awakening feeling to it, and you get the kind of. Harrowing of hell, of like the souls which are trapped, that the doctor then goes in and frees, you know. Um, sure. So I kind of thought, well, maybe it kind of works with that, but uh, but I don't know how deep those illusions go. So,
0: sure, sure.
1: Um, it's kind of hard to say, but I mean, I think probably more important with that is the idea of. The police box and the doctor and the TARDIS not just being associated with police and like law enforcement but like a doctor too like healing and everything like right. that's that's right. where you know you get your medical kit to save people not just like you know locking up the bad guys so um yeah which is usually yep. what we think of when we think of the police box
0: it, it's almost like I guess the uh like the nine one one before like everyone had right. phones like in it's their this houses all-purpose and, law yeah, enforcement
1: like, and like first aid station uh, yeah although
0: i guess in england isn't it 999 it um, is 999 i think yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It, anyway. not neither here nor there but uh <laughs> yeah yeah that's just true. that idea like, that you, you it's have like,
1: like access to all of like your first responder you know things yeah, until yeah. until the backup gets there
0: hmm. cool um so it's it is a salvation mechanism, sort of in a way right <laughs> um all right, fair enough, fair, yeah, i again, like I don't know, like I'm fine with the answer being, yeah, yeah, there's nothing really beyond that, but sure. i think I think, like you said, like just the timing and and the other stuff could potentially play into it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: certainly will you know if anyone else knows, feel free to tell us,
1: yeah, or has any? specific like gospel of saint john or revelations links or something maybe there's something we just haven't thought
0: of right um cool well so let's talk a little then about sort of the situation in this episode um i don't know that we need to spend a ton of time but there are a few things Mm -hmm. um one um interesting that so we've gotten like various comments by the doctor about like and and sort of pejorative comments by the doctor about like Twitter and yeah. you know devices and things. Yeah. So it's like here now we like have this full episode of it. Yeah. Right. Um and it kinda reminded me of the episode with um The wire.
2: Uh huh.
0: Uh the where, you know, like people's faces were getting sucked off right. and stuff. Right. Uh and and that like you know, I mean that. Obviously, that was like set in the fifties,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. earlier.
0: Earlier, was it fifty? Okay. Yeah. 50s. Um, and and so it was like, you know, this is like the modern version of that in a way. Right. Like now you have, um, people's minds sort of being ta- and and like with the mind, it's like the personalities mm-hmm. and and, uh, consciousness, I guess, uh, being sucked out through Wi-Fi and you know it is interesting cuz like there's there's all these articles and studies and stuff about like attention spans and mm-hmm. um you know just even things like like even today i went out to lunch with a couple of my coworkers and um i mean i feel like we had you know pretty good conversation and wasn't like you know whatever but I mean, still like at any given moment, like there was probably one of us like looking at phones or, you know, like, you know, doing whatever, like, and which is fine. I mean, it was like the middle of the workday. So like we were checking, it wasn't like just random social media. Some of it was certainly, I'm sure. But like, you know, it was also like seeing if there were messages and emails and stuff from people in the office and that kind of thing. So like not, not even that there's like a bad reason for that or that it's wholly bad to sort of. You know pay attention to those things, but there's also like there you know it's it 's one of those borders or boundaries or whatever you want to call it that um, is easy to it, it's very fuzzy and easy to sort of cross over of like how much how much is too much time spent mm-hmm. on sort of the internet or the computer or yeah. you know these things that are supposedly social but actually wind up being more antisocial than, than anything, because it's taking you away from the presence of the people who are there with you in the moment and in person. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, sort of, you know, distracting you more than actually helping you retain connections and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I mean, certainly, and not, they're not by any means the first people to sort of make this analogy, but I like, right. I do like that sort of take on it, like, and the fact that it does kind of echo earlier themes, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's also, you know, an updated right, version of it, so.
1: Right, like the digital um, version of that same yeah. kind of, and it is always that thing of the best Doctor Who, uh, you know Villains or monsters are the ones that are kind of under your bed and in your house, like anything that's sort of everyday Mm -hmm. and household and everything. Um, And so, this kind of notion that we're, you know, now, you know, it's such a ubiquitous part of the world. We're all connected all the time. So, the notion that If, you know, whether it's an alien or whether, you know, you have fears about, you know, the government or hackers or whatever it is, if something can manipulate, you know, the internet or, you know, get into your own personal, you know, computer through the internet, how kind of vulnerable are we to that, you know? And obviously this is like the kooky Doctor Who version where it uploads your soul and everything. But right, like, right, right, you know, right. there's still that relatability to it, that this is something, you know, in the, you know, in the modern Western world anyway, we all have, well, and we're all connected to all the time. So and, we're all sort of vulnerable, I guess, to and, that.
0: And there there is that idea, too, of like the singularity, which is this whole um, science fiction concept of like at some point, that's what people will be. They'll be digital, you know, consciousnesses rather than physical forms. And, you know, so it's not like, like I do like, you know, as with so much of Dr. Who, it does sort of blur the line between sort of science fiction and fantasy or like mystical, you know, spiritual, whatever you want to call, you know, Mm -hmm. the different aspects there, like that, it does sort of blur that line. Like there, you know, there's still that question of what is it that makes a person? Is it, is it them in a body? Is it them, you know, their personality and consciousness? Is right. it their, you know, you know, does that define a soul? Like what, you know, what are these different aspects of of all these things? Um But yeah, like I mean, this is certainly not the first story to talk about like sort of the effects of like uploading, mm-hmm. but I do like sort of the take that it's like this forced thing, uh and that there's this disembodied
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: consciousness, the great intelligence, uh who we've seen before, um, you know, going like sort of putting them in storage, you know, it's like his right. refrigerator for, you know, human consumption later. Like
1: Right. Uh Right. You know, and Kislet he's, kind of sounds like it's almost cybermen ish of like we're giving them immortality, like we're doing them a favor, we're preserving them in the cloud, you know. Um
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: you're you're you can't you don't have to just preserve your data files in the cloud. You can preserve your whole life in the cloud. too. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's I mean, um, that reminds me of a of a book by Corey Doctorow called Down and Out Out in the Magic Kingdom, where like that's what they did. Like they took backups of themselves and then if they died, you know, they just restored the backup. Like it's like that kind of thing, except here they don't have the option to restore the backup. (laughs) Well, until, well, you know, the doctor doctor releases them, you know, but, um, right. But even then
1: they kind of allude to the fact that a lot of the people will have actually died. So, you know, a lot of them are
0: deteriorating, or
1: whatever. yeah. 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 And I like to, you know, you mentioned the great intelligence, um, what you said about like this being similar to, um, uh, the episode with the wire, which now I'm, Forgetting what it's called, but um, mm-hmm. like this just being like a modern, you know, with, you know, 2013 technology, you know, rather than 1950s. And in the same kind of way, this is now, we've just had the second episode with The Great Intelligence, where it was, you know, the Victoriana and the snow and using kind of mm. the paraphernalia of Dickensian Christmassy, you know, stuff. Sure. And now, he's also modernized. He's still the same, like, you know, disembodied manipulative, you know, intelligence, but now using modern technology to yeah. create his sort of, you know, take over people's lives rather than, you know, so you can kind of see in the century plus that he's been kind of hanging around. He's also been like evolving and adapting with the times.
0: Hmm. Um, the idiot's lantern. The
1: idiot's lantern. Thank you.
0: Yeah, uh, which actually, in thinking about it, that, kind of goes along with like the description we we're talking about Wi-Fi, where it's like m- maybe not idiot, but like you know that, that's what they call TV, right? The idiot, the idiot box, right. where you know you kind of get stupider by staring at it, kind of right. thing. Well, this, you know, here it's more like you know, all this technology doesn't maybe not maybe stupider per se, but like it's your attention span and your mm-hmm. um social skills and those kind of things, like sort of your social or emotional IQ or what the what they call it, EQ, you you know, your right. emotional quotient or whatever, like gets uh is is diminished, I suppose, yeah. uh by you know, by the use of these things. Also I like I like sort of, you know it is kind of cheesy. And I, you know, I, it actually, the first time around, I was sort of less um, enthusiastic by the whole device. But like the more I thought about it, I'm like, it actually kind of works quite a bit mm. with the Wi Fi and stuff. But the, um, I do kind of like too the, the idea that it's just like there's, you know, just from time to time in various places, this random Wi Fi signal will pop up. And people will click on it because who doesn't do that? Right. Like, you know, you're at a coffee shop and like maybe – You just try things. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the coffee shop's Wi-Fi isn't working. So – but there's a store right next door that like has open Wi-Fi. And you might not be getting a full signal but you're like, well, it's clearly not working here so I'll just try theirs. And it's just like – Yeah, you know, it's it's an open Wi-Fi. It's, you know – you try it out just to see if it'll work. Like, yeah, well, that's where, that like, like, the plausibility
1: of, of it comes yeah. in, you know? That, oh, yeah, like, totally possible. You know, it's like, you know, I, I would probably, because, like, the symbol's weird, but it's not so weird. It's sort of, you yeah. know, you could definitely see yourself just sort of stumbling yeah. into something that you didn't understand. And now you've given right. access to, you know, the bad guys or whatever.
0: Um, yeah. And, and I will, I mean, and that might be the only like very minor criticism of that. It's like, yeah, like it kind of would have been better if they'd had like a funny or like, a, you know, at least like English name, you know, for it rather than just like kind of weird random symbols. But like right. for the Wi-Fi, um, sure. you know, sure. signal, or something. like, you know, something like don't click me or something like that, you right, know, like right, just right. something like kind of weird and quirky, but like that. Right yeah you because know, I you see weird ones all the time, like you know like I, I always laugh and like I don't know why because it's like not even really new anymore where like people name their Wi-Fi signal like you know FBI surveillance van right, you know right, it's like right. <laughs> but like you know everyone tries to connect tries to get it in, and yeah, it's, like, yeah so like if the FBI actually does have a Wi-Fi named that like they're probably getting all this data from people right. like voluntarily clicking on it, you know <laughs> right. kind of thing um, that's funny. Yeah, so just that sort of idea, but but again, like I think it works because I don't think that most people really pay attention to yeah what the Wi-Fi name is, you know, like mm-hmm. if it's if it's open, they try it. You and, try to get in, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh,
1: and I guess just like to round off too with uh, the great intelligence, the fact that it is revealed at the end that he's kind of the. You know, mastermind behind it. So, again, not, you, we don't know that till the very end. So, there's not really a lot to say about it, but I think probably it's obvious that, you know, when the same bad guy shows up two episodes in a row, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, there's maybe a little bit more going on than, yeah, the you average, have to pay attention. You know. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when it's like, a big reveal. Like, you're hinting at, oh, who's the client? You know, and then you kind of see it at the right. end. It's like right. there's... it's They're making sure that you realize, oh, this is the same, you know. Uh, and they use the same actor, too. You know, so you, so you know it's the same mm-hmm. uh, personality, I guess, as the last episode.
0: Sure. Sure. Uh,
1: um. Oh, well, and the last thing I want to make sure to mention, uh, you know, for... I don't know what if there's anything else you had to say about, like, Miss Kislet in particular, and her... Um... Yeah, I, w- I
0: was gonna... I had okay. a couple things. Well, go um, ahead.
1: You can start then.
0: Well, I... No, I mean, go ahead and say what you Well, I saying.
1: just... I mean, to me, like, the main... I'm skipping right to the end, but uh, it, that's one of my favorite moments ever, is you know, when when the intelligence kind of... When they, like, delete and go back to, like, factory settings and everything, and the great intelligence sort of abandons them to unit and everything. And like, everyone's going back to whatever personality they had. And then, you know, you get the reveal that just like Simeon, you know, was Mm -hmm. kind of corrupted as a child. Kislet was too. So you get that. Oh, I, that creeps the heck out of me when her little like questions about where her parents are and everything. Um,
0: yeah. And, and no, I was, I was definitely wanting to talk about that because even though you get the sense of, um, I mean, obviously like, you know, I, we don't know how old she is, but we can sort of guess, you know, like, so even if like he got to her say in like the 60s or 70s, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I don't know exactly how old she would be, but, um, you know, the fact that like, this intelligence sort of sticks with one person for a while. So like, obviously that's not as far back as like, there's gap between Simeon and her, but like you get the feeling like that there probably weren't too many people between Mm. the two of them. Like two, maybe three, you know, if we're talking like 50 ish year periods, like, you know, um, you know, we're slightly less than that. So it's
1: not just hopping. It's like, you know picking a life and sort of settling and well
0: and this is right and so it's which i you know you get you do get the sense with like sort of just in general with intelligent villains that like it is a long game like Mm. you're not you're not just playing like you know you're not just you know trying quickly to do something but this you know he's he's working at least in decades if not you know, longer than that, yeah, um, you know, on these sorts of plans and things, and like willing to wait until the technology becomes such that they can
2: yeah
0: that he can properly use it, and that kind of thing, so uh definitely, yeah, definitely a notable aspect that this seems to be i mean two doesn't technically yet make a pattern, but it seems to be sort of the way the pattern is trending right. if if that's. You know, we can like at least keep our eye on it to see if that pattern develops. Uh sure. you know. Um so just uh that was actually the main thing I wanted to talk about. So yeah, let, you know, definitely wanted to bring that up. Um also kinda <laughs> I kinda laughed at the moment where she's like, you know, oh we need to kill him, but you know, wait till he comes back from his vacation. Yeah, it's like yeah. at, at least HR. she's yeah. compassionate, you know. Well <laughs> like, actually
1: that uh, there's not a huge overlap between the two episodes this week but that was one thing that struck me was like bureaucratic villains you know who yeah. you know kind of have to violently terminate their their employees yeah. you know or yeah. or but want to do so like by the books and humanely or whatever um yeah you know or with proper respect to their pto that they've earned so sure um you know just a funny little connection there
0: um but yeah no that the uh the end there with her sort of turning around asking like where her parents are and stuff and and the idea that like she'd just been abandoned so like so how did she end up like you know did her parents just like literally abandon her or was it that like they turned their back and the intelligence and she got sort of nabbed her somehow. Yeah. yeah. Or like, I mean, at least like mentally, like, right. you know, some, he somehow like appeared to her and coaxed her and has ever since sort of been just like with Simeon at the, right. you know, uh, 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 snowman.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Uh, very, very interesting there. Um, but all that said, Let's talk about the doctor and Clara. Okay. So um, the doctor has gone on retreat. Uh It appears at the (laughs) beginning, like he's he's gone on sort of meditative uh, retreat and is in some sort of abbey Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere um, in middle ages. Like, yeah, I think uh, maybe a little later than that. It said
1: fourteen. 14, or 12, okay. twelve something twelve something oh ah,
0: okay, so, so yeah, yeah like okay, um and uh he's painting pictures of her uh with like um i love the i love the scene too, where he like he's talking on the phone, and the the monk uh is like, oh, is it an evil spirit, and he goes, it's a woman, <laughs> and he's like crossing himself yeah. like like that's the last thing terrifying you know concept. would be in a you know, thirteenth century abbey. Yeah. Abby.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, no, I. You know, I mean, kind of funny, but like, but you do get the sense that that it is sort of like. He knows. Uh. I don't know that he was expecting a call. Right. <laughs> um, right. You know, but like that he knows that he's going to run into Clara again. Mm. And he just sort of has to bide his time. Right. Because, like, you don't get the sense that the Doctor is typically a sort of meditative man. Right, right. You know, like that he's... yeah,
1: and remember, like, uh, The Power of Three when he had to sit still and watch the cubes, you know, how kind of...
0: Which you even get a sense of here where he's, like, sitting outside, you know, in the TARDIS. And, like, while Clara was asleep, he, you know, did all these different things for her. Right, invented the quadricycle. Invented a quadricycle.
1: yeah. 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 Right. Um, I took all the the phone messages and everything. Right. Um, um, yeah, and I think there's two. So, like we, um, I talked about last time how with Clara in, you know, the Victorian setting, how because he'd been there for so long and the fact that he just sort of bumps into her, um, there's that kind of sense of like just chance about it, that, like, it's not something the TARDIS took him to. It just sort of, mm. you know, they kind of bumped into each other. So then um, in all the prequel, which I'll link to, you have him, you know, you get the sense that he is actively looking for her. And then, you know, he meets a little girl in a swing who kind of, you know, when he talks about destiny, she kind of, you know, laughs at that. Like, oh, you know. There's no such thing. And he says, okay, well, maybe I should just sit down and think about it rather than, like, trying to fly around aimlessly. And she says, I think that's a good idea. And then you find out, you know, it was little Clara. So, you know, here we see him in the monastery sort of having a think about it, you know, doing what she told him to do. And, Mm. you know, but she ends up calling him on the phone, you know. So it's when he stops looking that, you know it, you know you could say okay destiny does intervene but then there's also this idea of somebody gave her the phone number too so i think right. there's kind of between all of them like okay now they've met three times and all under like you know different circumstances and everything so it's kind of this tension between is it just chance And they keep bumping into each other. Or is there some sort of manipulation or destiny or fate at work? Um, Right. And you kind of have evidence on both sides, I think.
0: Well, and, yeah. And so what is that? So, like, you get the sense to at least, you know, these last two times, this great intelligence has been sort of the guy that's around, you know, messing things up. Right. You know, is there something there, whether there. intentional on his part or incidental to what he's doing? Like maybe there's maybe it's not that the great intelligence is bringing them together somehow, but it's an effect of what the intelligence is doing mm. that is causing them to be together somehow. I don't I don't know mm-hmm. or or a, a reaction or something. I don't you know, I, I'm sort of fumbling for. what i mean because i don't really know what i mean exactly Mm -hmm. but um yeah like that there's something related to that but then again it's like well then the first time was the dalek so i don't know but anyway sure um the but i do think so like with yeah i was i was actually kind of half expecting maybe to get a view of who um Gave her that number at mm. some point, but we don't we don't actually do that, and and maybe we will at some point mm-hmm. later. But like at least in this episode, we didn't. Right. Um, also, uh, interesting that so now, you know, we have a companion who has not yet actually been a companion after three episodes of having right. been in the show. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like she's, you know, obviously very much being crimed as a companion, but. Um, you know the first one, like she wasn't even a human; she was a Dalek. Mm-hmm. And um, but like you know the whole show until right at the very end, you're expecting her to sort of be taken away right. on the TARDIS um, with the Doctor and Amy and Rory. Um, in the second episode, same thing, mm-hmm. but then she dies. Right, you know, right. um, and now this episode, it's uh, she's actively refusing. Mm-hmm. And saying, "Yeah, look me up tomorrow. Maybe I'll change my mind."
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so, and and the doctor, the doctor, his final thing there, and I mean, obviously, I don't know what's going to happen at the beginning of the next episode, but like, you know, there's there's one of two things that could happen because, like, sort of the way that he says, "All right, let's find out who you really are."
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I don't, I don't know how to say that. Does that mean like? Like, we already saw them, like, skipping ahead through the night to, you know, the next morning. Mm. So, is that what he's going to do next and, like, go meet her, you know,
1: mm-hmm. at
0: the next day at the specified time? It was, like, 7 o'clock or something, wasn't it? Right, like she right. Says. Um And... uh you know, like is are we going to get that sort of thing where like he just skips right ahead to it and right. is like, "Hey, right. I'm here," yeah. <laughs> or or is this going to be or is it going to go like the opposite way of like he's going to go do a bunch of stuff to like investigate who she really is, right? And then try to meet her and then, at then that go that back. specified right. time, or right. or perhaps meet her at some different time. But like that, I mean, that's the idea. Like they seem to be setting up like where these other instances have been sort of random, like we talked about, Mm -hmm. like now we've got sort of like an established date and time, right. You know, for them to meet. Right. Um, so I'm I'm sort of curious to to see, to see how that plays out. Um, and whether that ends up being where they actually meet Mm -hmm. anyway. Like, I mean, it's totally possible that they don't meet there, but if they do, like, how does that happen? Uh, one thing I'm sure of, it's not going to happen by him waiting until, the next day at that specified <laughs> right, time right, in right. like real time. Right. Either it's going to take much shorter or much longer amount of time right. than the actual time lapse. That, yeah, that would take the,
1: the, the, the TARDIS will be involved. He's not just gonna, yeah. Wait for that to happen.
0: Right. Um, That's like the one thing I'm pretty positive that that is
1: the case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're probably <laughs> right. That one of those two things is true. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, or some variation
1: there. Or some variation. Um, Um, Yeah, and I think, too, with her, uh, you know, come ask me again, you know, maybe I'll say yes. You know, you kind of get that, again, with her, in all her incarnations, you know, you get that sense of her kind of, that slightly aloof quality of, you know, she's not just gonna, you know, say yes at the, you know, drop of a hat that she has to kind of there's a sense of her you know maybe we don't quite know like her motivation or what it is about her personality that makes this the case but having to kind of delay that gratification or maybe make him earn it a bit or you know like yeah um there's something aloof is the word i just keep coming back to that that you know she kind of wants to be impressed a bit before she just sort of goes all the way. Um, Mm. So you kind of have a little bit of, she's intrigued, but she's also holding him slightly at arm's length still. She's not, she's not like some of the other companions we've seen who are within the space of an episode ready to sort of drop everything and, you know, go adventuring with him.
0: Right. Right. Like, pretty much all like pretty brain, much the yeah
1: is usually I mean, the way it goes
0: yes maybe donna would be the only sure possible exception yeah. that i can think of and that's different because that was there was like the one episode and then like a long time and then the rest right. of them you know what yeah I mean? like and i think not,
1: too like the the you know so I was, and i don't think you were disagreeing with this but like the the different circumstances and everything that with Donna it was more a reaction to a specific you know getting a glimpse of a certain side of the doctor that you know that frightened her away you know at least temporarily whereas you know with Clara we don't get anything like that she doesn't seem to have a reason to be wary of him or distrustful necessarily Mm -hmm. I mean other than the fact that the other difference, too, between the other companions we've seen was they all met the Doctor sort of on equal terms a little bit more, where mm. they sort of bump into each other and get into adventure and get to know each other sort of, you know, at the same time. Whereas with Clara, from her point of view, he just comes knocking on her door.
0: In in this episode, yeah. In yeah. this
1: episode, yeah. Like, assuming that this Clara assuming that we believe that what she says when she doesn't seem to have any idea who he is when he comes knocking. Um, mm. Assuming that that's true, he maybe she does have more reason to be wary of him because he's not just some interesting stranger that she bumped into. He's this weird alien who came and, like, barreled down her door. Now, he did, you know, he seems like a good guy. He rescued her from the Wi-Fi you know he didn't do anything which is shady but there's still the sense of he knows uh, a lot unless
0: you count like, like breaking you know, into
1: her house and like
0: a, a guy <laughs> a guy you know who you think is basically a, a call center worker coming right hunting right. down your address and saying this is true hey I know you
1: hey yeah don't you recognize yeah. me so you know maybe there is other like, than that other than yeah. that I think when the call center guy has a, you know, time machine and is an and alien, on a screwdriver. maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe he he's more than just a call center worker. But there is no,
0: I I, no, I, I know I know, and obviously that's sort of that's like, but but that's her initial react, right? right? You know, there's the whole like first impression aspect. Yeah. You know, first impressions. Okay, I guess there's like Amy who like catches him in her house and you know is whatever but like also amy's been dreaming about him for years and years Mm -hmm. since she was a little girl so like
1: right there's that mythical aspect this like you know romanticized Mm -hmm. figure
0: so so like yeah it definitely seems different in that respect as far as like first impressions go and like yeah it's not like oh there's bad things weird things happening and this guy shows up, and he's kind of weird and goofy, but, like, also, like, helps out. So right. that stuff does happen, but that's not the situation when she first meets him. Right, right.
1: right? And, and, that and in fact, be the weird like, stuff doesn't happen until after he shows up, you know. Right, uh, right. So, you know, I think part of it, I guess, what I would say is that part of it is just her personality being a little bit more... uh restrain maybe than some of the other ones but also there's the circumstantial aspects of who is this guy how does he think he knows me what is he talking about you know why is he coming to my house kind of thing mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i think between the two you know you kind of have some plausibility for the why you know she kind of uh Makes him maybe work a little bit harder with the becoming a full time companion thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, although she has been in the TARDIS a couple of times now, um, and and That's true. so and and in this episode we at least finally get the uh, expected response of yeah. you know bigger on the inside. Yeah. Um Although I do I I do still like. In the last one, how they sort of flip it on the its head. The smaller on the outside. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, but this one, yeah, you get the more expected response, but you get the crazy, like, I'm going to explain it to you while we're materializing inside a crashing plane. So, like, what you make up, what you lose in, like, her reaction, I think you make up for in just the craziness of, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure no companion has ever had that kind of, much of like the fire hose introduction to what the TARDIS is.
2: <laughs> sure. So.
0: Um, yeah. You
1: know, which is kind um, of fun.
0: And, and of course, then the callback to her final words using, you know, through the Wi-Fi password mm. of, you know, run you crazy boy and remember. Right. Um, <clears throat> clever boy or clever clever boy <laughs> he's crazy Sorry, i too. just realized and i i was even reading it i'm like run you wait no that that's, I, that's right. totally the wrong word not even the right word um yeah run you clever boy and remember yeah uh so i feel like we've skipped around a bit i'm just trying to see if like there's any parts of my notes that we haven't touched on well um, in
1: relation to that too um i wanted to kind of bring up the fact that um You know we see some connections of this beyond just like personality and appearance we see some connections of this Clara to the other Claras or Oswins that we've met and you know the fact that you know in this episode you get what appear to be sort of the origin of some of those things you know that um You know she she doesn't know the name oswin you know that she's just Mm. clara oswald but it's in kind of doing her hacking thing and saying clara oswald for the win that she has the idea for oswin um Mm. and you know and i'm not or maybe origin is too strong too strong a word just that that seems to come to her you know it's not something she knows about previously Um, again, if we believe her, but it seems to be something that sort of she spontaneously generates in the moment. Um, And the same thing with the, you know, like you said, the mnemonic device of run, you clever boy, and remember that, you know, it's not something the doctor says to her, but something that she kind of thinks up as she's trying to figure out a way to remember the password. Um,
0: Right. Right, so there's these sort of hints that whether I mean I guess we don't still really know if she's actually the same person or if there's some sort of cloning mm-hmm. slash copying slash whatever, but that there's something at the core of her, um you know, that that sort of I you know, to use the analogy of, you know, computers again, like mm-hmm. in her sort of underlying operating system you know something not on just the surface level that she looks similar but like the you know something really uh critical or fundamental in her personality Mm uh that you know that sort of brings these things out um and also just like um you know the fact that she i mean she calls the doctor clever but like that she herself is pretty clever like right. that she makes connections and is very smart and good with computers and um I mean obviously like in the Victorian era like they didn't have computers mm-hmm. but like you still saw her putting together and sort of living this double life right. you know and successfully like not this isn't like oh you're you know oh you're found out I mean she does sort of get found out but like you know what I mean like mm-hmm. this is it's not like she's living on a shoestring it's like she's having a good time being both the barmaid and the governess like you know and she can do either one with equal aplomb sort of and um you know here like it's like oh okay well i was partly uploaded but you know now that i'm downloaded i know all about computers whereas before i didn't even know about Mm wi-fi but like you don't get the sense that like like it's not the same thing as where like the, the you know, um, Kislet is manipulating sort of the IQ and the personality mm-hmm. of, you know, the different people. It's like she was was probably capable of that knowledge before. Right. She just never bothered to learn about it. Right, like you right, know what right. I mean? Like it's not like it's not like somehow she's been enhanced by that experience, other than that she now has information that she didn't that she have didn't before, have. but she could have. She could have studied computers and perhaps gotten just as good at, you know, what she's doing.
1: Right.
0: It's just that this is sort of the expedient way to do it.
1: Yeah, well, and also the fact that the super, you know, hacking computer skills is another thing that connects her to Oswin, you know, yeah. from Asylum of the Daleks. But the interesting part of it being that she doesn't have that connection in the beginning of the episode, you know, but by the end of the episode she does, you know, so... Again in a, in a way she starts out more Victorian and by the end she's more the kind of digital hacker of the future you know that and again all of those versions of her are equally intelligent but some just belong to different eras or have different skills that the others or it's different information I guess than the others mm. didn't have um so there's kind of ways that she's kind of crossing the line between those two other personalities but also sort of blending the two
0: sure sure
1: um, um and actually too you know this is just something like that struck me I think uh her accent is part of that too like you know we get yeah um you know we got you know kind of just a n- normal like what I would not really even know how to identify, like, non-specific accent with uh, the Dalek episode. But in the Victorian one, you get the very clear split between her, like, you know, her secret voice and her kind of posh, you know, uh, nanny voice. That they're two very class-specific, distinct voices. And now here, um, you know, you get... she. I think they mentioned this in a later episode, but the character and Jenna Coleman are actually from Blackpool, which is in the north of England. So it's not a, uh, it's not a London accent at all. It's you know, mm-hmm. uh, actually closer to like Christopher Eccleston's. So you know and so the fact that you know, her own accent isn't really any of the ones that we've heard her use before. And, you know, kind of in a way, just like she's living with this family that isn't hers, she's not even a Londoner. So she's kind of not being the world the world traveler that she wished she would be, but isn't at home either. She's sort of m- yeah. displaced into a new city where it's not where she's from, but not really, but still kind of in the same country. So... You know, I don't quite know what to do with, but just the fact that, like, her voice keeps changing and the fact that Mm. Clara, the way she speaks, isn't quite the same way that any of the other versions of her speak, but that she can flip between them, just like she can flip between all these jobs and all these different identities and everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, But also the sense that there is... A similarity to even like the jobs and stuff, though, too. I mean, obviously, between nanny and governess, but even like, um, because she was like, what, junior entertainment officer, which is like not a bad description for a nanny, right? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, like entertaining and like taking care of, you know, people in that sort of way. Like, um, obviously, different implications, but yeah, you know, like there's still, there does seem to be sort of a thread. Of, yeah. you know, even between sort of the occupations that she has and and the capabilities, and and her ability to you know connect with people in in those certain ways. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, um, and so you know that the whole you brought up the fact that like you know she does want to travel. And she did sort of kind of travel a little bit, but not, you know, around the world, Mm. just like another part of England. Right. Um, or whatever. Like, yeah, like like she
1: got like, didn't she kind of say like, I started and like in, you know, the week that she like, she left home for London. And in that week, you know, she ended up staying, you know, to help out this family. Um, Right. So it's almost like this was stop one on the grand tour. And she just never got further than that.
0: um, so there's like there's uh that ex that that situation sort of builds up then i think an expectation in the viewer that like presented the opportunity to go in the tardis you know she, seems like she would jump candidate. at it yeah. like sure why not can like she already has seen it can go anywhere and travel in time and mm-hmm. like so like yeah like this seems like if this is her dream but then she doesn't right. and so it's like you know, again, goes back to like, what is both, what are her, what are the, what are her desires, what are her sort of motivations, but also what are her hesitations? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so like, there's, it's sort of, again, that two, two two-sided coin Mm -hmm. of, you know, what, what does she want, but what's keeping her back? Right. Um, And, you know, at the same time, so.
1: Right. I I don't
0: know, because like, we don't get answers to those per se. Sure.
1: Uh, Yeah, she kind of dodges the doctor's questions about it, like when he's asking in the cafe. Um, Mm. She gives him a little bit, but then she kind of says, oh, let me start hacking the computer. Like, you know, she doesn't really get into a lot of soul searching for why, uh, why she's sort of stayed in this one place. Other than, you know, he kind of says it's about, you know, because these people are important to her, you know, that these are friends of her family and everything that, you know, it's, it's because they needed her. Um, and he's like, you know, compares it to himself. You know, I wish I was more like that. Um, but I think there is also the idea that maybe it's more than that, that there's something, you know, it's some, she, she's still going to go in the future, but there's some, you know, it's not quite clear why that it has to be in the future. Um, You know, what's holding her back right now.
2: Right.
0: Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, it, it, I'm, it, it's funny because like, usually by like the third episode you do where you have, you know, a particular companion, you do sort of have some of those answers that we just right. don't for her. So it, it it, it definitely, which I think is good because like, you know, on the one hand, like obviously there is sort of a pattern Mm -hmm. as we've talked about with sort of the companions and the doctors and, you know, when they switch or, you know, Mm -hmm. regenerate as the case may be. But I like that, that this, they're sort of switching it up here. Like there's Mm -hmm. a different, there's a different thing going on and, and we don't quite know. And that it's, it's not just sort of assumed, Now at this point that like she's going to be on the TARDIS at the end of the episode, like where, you know, it was with certain other, you know, Mm -hmm. companions. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Most other companions. So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. just very. And even like even I'm I'm thinking even of like companions where like the companion didn't actually make it, but like was willing, like with Kylie Minogue, you know, where like she was totally ready to go and then died you know so um or uh the the one where they're in the desert
1: uh lady with, christina uh,
0: yeah we're like she totally wants to go with them and he's like nah <laughs> you yeah. know but like um you <laughs> know she does sort of escape at the end but it's not in the tardis so right. like you know again like it's this this idea that like There are these other potential companions, you know, either companions or potential companions that, um, you know, pretty much by the end of the episode are intrigued by the doctor and want to go and find out and Mm -hmm. explore and all this stuff. But, like, for some reason, may or may not. And here with Clara, it's just, like, she is intrigued and she does want to go and she does want to explore. But, like, things happen and she can't or um you know whatever and never quite gets to that point where she's like okay yes i'll go with you yeah so yeah um good good way to sort of change up the
1: yeah the it does sort that. of mix things up a bit um the i feel like we're kind of covered it um there's one other thing i did want to mention was um the book that the boy is reading that uh, Clara mentions and she has the the line about 11's the best it's like Mm -hmm. of course Moffat Mm -hmm. 11 is the best you know Um, you'll cry your eyes out but uh, did you notice who wrote the book Uh, it's it's the author's name it's very quick but the author's name is credited as Amelia Williams so um, and if you kind of look at it's another one of these tie-in books that you can go and you know, and download and everything. But um if you look at the cover, you know, of the it's a girl Well, I
0: didn't even catch I don't remember what the name it's of it It's
1: Summer Falls. Um you know, and it's sort of a looks like a Hardy Boys Nancy Drew kind of Yeah, like kids. one of those
0: Stratemeyer yeah. like yeah. Um
1: and you know, of course it, it's a girl and, you know, two boys, so that seems you know, significant, if Amy's writing children's fiction, you know, it's kind of going to be about her and adventures and everything. Um, so it kind of looks like the doctor in the ponds. Although, um, it's funny, the girl has brown hair and and one of the boys has the red hair instead of Amy. So it actually looks a lot like Harry, Ron and Hermione, um, Mm. for what that's worth. But just this idea of, you know, a trio of you know, friends out having adventures and everything. Um, You know, I think that's cool with Amy because we had that connection to childhood. Um, And, you know, we even have a bit, you know, it was referenced that at one point she was writing, you know, journal articles and everything. So we know Amy has, you know, uh, a bit of a... And and even that she published the book that, you know, River was going to send her. So... There's, you know, something kind of literary about Amy. So, you know, she goes on to sort of write children's stories, which I think is kind of perfect for her character. Sure. Um, Yeah,
0: no, I totally did not catch that, so I'm glad you pointed
1: that out. Yeah, it's one of those things that goes so fast, but if somebody catches it, then you have screenshots all over the place, like broadcast. So it's like if you were on social media when this episode broadcast. It would be, you know,
0: right, it, all over right. the
1: place. So,
0: Which is why I try to avoid social media Which is when why, like, yeah. new episodes are yeah. coming up.
1: Um, um, yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, I was just trying to think if there was anything else I had to say about The Doctor, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he does his sort of typical clever stuff. So he like re purposes the robot you mm-hmm. know to go in the anti-grav motorcycle anti-grav That's kinda cool, Olympics yeah yeah um, and, and yeah again like not the first time that he sort of inadvertently invented you know something or other but um, yeah yeah just I guess you know this is so you know good he's sort of fully been pulled out of his funk Mm-hmm um at this point as far as we can tell like yeah. not that like not to again you know this is one of those situations where like it could seem like it's really quick after the ponds have gone but like we also know that he was uh you know in in different um in in uh Sorry, I have someone calling me. I totally broke my (laughs) concentration. Uh, That that he was, uh, you know, for a long time sort of in the Victorian era. So we don't know. You know, it's another situation like with the Tenth Doctor where, like, we know he went and did stuff between, like, last episode and this one. We don't know how How long. long, And, you know, what it was. We don't know how long he was sort of doing his meditations and paintings at yabby in the 13th century and that's all fine but um like now he's sort of like this is this is the final step like now he has a purpose it's it's to go out and figure out who she is and again i don't know what direction that takes exactly Mm -hmm. but um good to sort of see him up and about again
1: yeah and i think that's part of it too like you said it, it partially it's just the Getting, you know, a new companion, which is sort of reinvigorating, but also having like a project, like a purpose, you know, that he has to go find her and a keep her safe, you know, in the sense of not letting, even though it's kind of like, he's the one who brings all the danger with him. It's sort of like, you know, having this sense of not letting her die again, but also, you know, okay, time to find out who you are, like. You know, finding out how she can be in all these different times and places is now, you know, uh, the thing which is sort of driving him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also, of course, sort of the the other thing is the recurrence, again, of, in a different form, the theme of, like, memory Mm -hmm. and remembering and and all of these things. I mean, obviously, that's one of the things she repeats to him, but, like, also just um in this episode particularly with like the minds and you know souls sort of being uploaded or whatever um but also like um in sort of a rory Rory rory-esque way of like even through these different iterations of the same person like trying trying to suss out what yeah what it is about that person that you know, is the sort of the core of that and remembering what that is. Well, and
1: that's a good point because we've talked a lot about with Rory and Donna and all these characters uh, that how memory is a large factor, if not the largest aspect of what makes a person who they are. You know, that it's remembering Rory and the Doctor that bring them back you know Amy's ability to do that or it's the fact that Donna loses her memories that is so devastating like even more devastating than a a death would be you know Um, Mm. and so you know okay so here we have a character who is in all these different places and incarnations and doesn't seem to have knowledge or a memory of being in those different places so like again like you're saying like what constitutes a person um what does that mean for all these different people that clara has been does that mean if they don't remember each other does that mean they are the same person does that make them different people yeah. you know what happened to those memories you know if they ever existed or you know i think right. that's part of it you know and her thing to him of run and remember um it's kind of conspicuous when she's not remembering these links, um, you know, or doesn't seem to, Yeah, not remembering implies that there should be a memory. I'm not saying one way or the other, but there isn't any right. connection in her mind that we can see between them. Right. Um, other than these things that she's totally unconscious of, like the RYCBAR or the, you know, Or the Oswin or the computer skills. It's not because she remembers anything. They just sort of seem to sort of be there. So
0: Right. Right. Yeah, which is why I was kinda saying like it's part of her fundamental, like, underlying operating system. It's you know, does that but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all the same person. Again, it could be that they're all copies of each other or something. Like, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Some sort of genetic twin who knows? who knows i don't know all right um well you know but i don't know <laughs> uh many people actually know i just don't um well
1: you know and that brings up one point before we move on which is to say um i and i won't you know we'll let it unfold as far as how far the story's got and what i may or may not know but it should be worth pointing out that Jenna Coleman is still with the show at this point. So, um, right. so, I'm not saying none of these questions will be resolved in this season, but I think it's worth noting that her story isn't finished yet. Um, so, in terms of all the, like, stuff which... It, I, We're kind of entering a new phase here, because one of the things I really enjoy enjoyed about, like, doing was seeing, like, oh, look at all the allusions to Donna's memories before the end of her season, or look at all the, you know, stuff about Amy's childhood before we finish with her, like, you know, being sort of fully grown up and all these things. Like, I can kind of see where it, I can notice those things in the beginning because I know where it's going. Whereas with Clara, there's certain things I know, but I don't know where her story ends right now. So it's kind of like, there's some things I'm going to be as much in the dark, you know, about as you, just because they could do something, you know, with her character that I just have no idea. Um, And maybe Moffat has laid in all the allusions and the teasers to it all along, but I won't know that until, you know, you Mm -hmm. get to it and then you go back and you go, oh, okay, I see where, you know, what he was pointing towards, you know, all the way back in the beginning of her story. Um, Yeah. I don't know. So that will be sort of
2: fun
1: to see where that goes, I guess.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's move on.
1: Let's. Okay. So for blind dates, um... I want to spend like the bulk of the time on Lindsay and Wolfram and Hart. Cause I think they're probably obviously not probably definitely yeah. more important in the grand scheme of things. Um,
0: yeah, this is certainly a more of a, like the other side of the coin episode. Sure. Than, um, we have gotten so far. Sure.
1: So. But we do get for angel. Anyway. We do get a kind of monster of the week, you know, nemesis. Mm-hmm. So sure. I wanted to start with, Vanessa and, um, and the children. Um, and one of the first things that kind of on my first watch, um, it kind of occurred to me to be a little bit confused. You know, the episode starts with the guy selling toys to the kids, you know, in what looks to be kind of a shady, like, you know, one or uh, not London. They're not in London. They're in LA. Uh, you know, kind of in the alleyway and everything, and she kind of comes by. And then it just never goes back to them. And I thought to myself, okay, why did we start with them? Like, you know, what was the point of that? I wasn't quite sure. But on the second watch, I think it's to kind of... I think what they're getting at is for a second you almost feel like this toy dealer is going to be, like, maybe as shady as he looks. Like you know, maybe targeting these kids or, you know, like sure. like your eye is kind of on him and what's he going to do? And then he kind of goes, oh, excuse me, ma'am. And he gets the toy out of the way for the blind woman. Like, oh, how sweet. Like, and then she just kind of walks by and you don't expect that she's the, she's the monster that you're waiting for. And it's sort of like, right, you just right. assume that this weird toy dealer, you know, on the streets of dark LA sure. is going to be the bad guy. So in retrospect, I kind of like that, because it kind of uh, takes your attention, even though pretty quickly you see that she's, you know, the 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 villain, it kind of, for a second, you know, diverts your attention away from her. Um, and you realize that how, what a kind of innocent figure she appears to be, I mean... She's a young woman, you know, she's blind. So like you can't think of somebody more physically vulnerable than, you know, like that's she's pretty much on the lower end of the physical threat spectrum, you would think. Sure. But, you know, then it turns out that that's completely wrong. And, you know, we were wrong to assume that. So I kind of like that. I don't know where to go with it, but.
0: Well, it's it's. The Darla factor, right? Sure. The first episode of Buffy yep. is, you know, the young blonde yep. being sort of lured into a dark right. school Who by turns out to an be the older predator, guy, yeah. but then she's actually, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, not certainly a different way than that. And you're right, like the blindness sort of adds another factor yeah. to it. Um, of course, we find out she's not quite exactly blind, right. but you know, it it is what it is. Um. So, a couple things. Actually, so, since we're talking about her, first of all, I want to talk about the actress. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jennifer Badger is her name. Mm -hmm. Um, She actually worked as a stunt double for both Charisma Carpenter and Eliza Dushku. Oh,
1: okay. In
0: in Buffy and Angel, actually. She's also done stunt stuff here. So, you know, she's someone who's, you know, maybe we've seen before but didn't realize we were seeing. Sure, which explains Um, why
1: she's so good at fighting. know, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, like this is... um, uh, And actually, she also was one of the um, victims in the episode Somnambulist uh, in this season of Angel. Um, So she's, yeah, you know, someone who's sort of been around the show and been Mm. familiar with sort of the Buffyverse and stuff, but this is her first sort of acting, you know, in sort of as an actor, actor, not like a stunt double uh, actor. Um, The... Uh, special effects um, <laughs> were kind of weird for the like, the, you know, for her vision of like. Angel yeah, it kind of seems others.
1: like she can sense heat.
0: <laughs> yeah, al- yeah, almost in a way. Although it's not quite heat; it's like movement, like kinetic, right. uh, sort of. Um, apparently, they were going to use like sort of green screen, like overlays or something like that. But then they ended up. I I don't know if I can't remember if it was like a budget thing or like what it was but like they just painted actors with like this glow-in-the-dark paint and stuff and like (laughs) it just shot like in the dark of like having them move around and stuff Uh so um it actually kind of works though like just the way like you know the movement and the paint but like it's just kind of funny to think that like and I don't know if it was actually like David Boreanaz or you know if it were like stunt doubles and you know or stunt people like didn't necessarily have to be a double if it's all dark but you know what i mean like yeah. just you know sort of running around in this glow in the dark paint was kind of funny to me yeah but anyway that n- neither of those things are like hugely important but just kind of to give some context um at least around the actress uh yeah
1: herself. well and i like um like i like the way they end up using like the fact that of how still Angel can become at the yeah. end for how he's yeah. able to sort of, and it even kind of, I mean, I know they said it's like the electromagnetic spectrum and it does seem to be like movement based and everything, but it even kind of made me wonder too, if the fact that like he's dead <laughs> is a, yeah. is part of it. Well, like like nobody can be as still as him. Like, you know, when he moves, she can see him, but when he stays still, He's basically just, you know, not alive. So he turns sort of invisible to her.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's a couple of things. Because, like, the children have the same sight as she does, too. Right. Because um,
1: right, there's yeah, the thing about I, they I see with the heart rather than with and, their eyes. And, and,
0: and, and, and Yeah. And they see into the heart of, right. of things. Um, and that, but like, and that there's something about the three of them, like, there's a synergistic. Uh, right, there's the I number 3 it. again. I I don't know how too far to take it because on the one hand uh on the one hand the um like the 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 seeing movement works but I wonder if that only work because like when the kids are sort of sitting there it's like can she see them because they're alive? You know, or can she see them because they're sort of shivering and moving slightly, like, right. whereas Angel's is able to be still? Because because the other thing I was thinking of is, like, okay, ele- electromagnetic spectrum, that's what we normally see light in and whatever, but you think about, like, the reflection
2: mm. thing.
0: Like, you don't see a reflection. Um, of a vampire, vampires. right. Uh, so is it the same sort of thing? Like, is it is it, like, this sort of, like, physics-based electromagnetic thing that that you're you know she can't see him because of that as well um but like when he's moving maybe it's different for some reason i don't know like this is the thing that i'm sort that i sort of had trouble with when i get like too far Mm. into that explanation of like okay so how does that work with what we know about vampires and like i don't know that we have to you know like maybe we can let it slide a bit but sure. um it there i think there the explanation there is a little bit kind of but then also um with the children and seeing like into the heart it's like well but his blood doesn't like pump right right so like if are we talking literal heart or are we talking like metaphorical heart right. of like you know into like the actual reason or matter of things right and that was my first
1: instinct was like his stillness like is reaches a different level because of the lack of life with like literal like physical life mm -hmm. within him um right like like, he's not
0: even breathing or yeah well exactly. it's not like he's holding his breath no he He has no like we've
1: even though we do see breath we've we've established (laughs) the we've established the notion that he has no breath within him so nobody can None of the humans can get quite as still as he can, um, right. and I kind of feel like it works. That works the same as like the re- the reflection with the vampires in that mythology. Like, okay, yeah, you can you can give it a kind of pseudoscience, you know, like it works both ways. You can have a, the pseudo scientific explanation of it being about light waves and bouncing, you know, reflections and physics and all that. Mm-hmm but also there's just the notion that the mirror you know as you know a reflection of the self and the soul and mm. um the and so there's the the metaphysical rather than the physical explanation too so it kind of blurs the lines between the two in the same way that a reflection does i think yep. so it even though it, you can't quite tell which of those it is it seems to fit that same sort of explanation i think of what we know yeah. of vampires
0: sure
2: sure um
1: and i that was just effective the way that like at the end uh you, you know and it's funny uh she's clearly the bad guy i mean you're clearly rooting for angel but in the way he becomes almost predatory in the end of her like you know there's that part where it's close up on her face, and she's looking for him and can't find him and then it kind of pulls out and you see that he's like right on top of her and is just yeah. waiting and yeah. you get that kind of nerves of like, "Oh no, he's gonna get her," and then you realize, "Wait a minute, I'm now on her side you rather want, than you
0: want him to get her i do right. but
1: but viscerally, I'm with her because yeah. he's threatening, and that the fact that she can't see him. And now all of a sudden he's the threat that I like the way that it kind of tricks you into identifying with her for a minute.
0: And and there is I mean, that is sort of like, right, the classic, um, you know, like horror movie, uh, you know, following the victim around and looking around and you can't see. The predator or the, you know, the killer, you know, whatever. until f- so the last moment and we, you know, when they attack. I
1: forget what it's called, but there's a movie from the sixties or seventies, um, about, and it's a, basically a horror movie where, you know, men break into a woman, a blind woman's house and it's like terrifying because you can see everything and she can't see anything. So, you know, mm. he's right around the corner but she's heading towards him because how would she know? And like, just the fact that you can see how close he is, is like the scariest thing ever. So Mm -hmm. I don't know whether they consciously drew on that, but it's that same sort of scenario.
0: Could be. I mean, we certainly know that Joss Whedon is a big horror movie fan. So, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, But yeah, no, it, it, like, I think you're right. Like there's definitely that feel of like, the franticness of her looking around and realizing that the thing, you know, the strength that she relied on is no longer working. And mm-hmm. so it completely throws her out of her own element. Um, and is ultimately what helps Angel to succeed. But it so the other aspect of that is what Angel sort of says earlier to Wesley and Cordy about like, he misses sort of the clarity of mm. being Angelus And so this is him almost getting a chance to be Angelus again in in that moment of being the predator and being the hunter and being the one who sort of plays with his food, you know, like (laughs) um, in that aspect.
1: Well, and it's not like every week when he catches the bad guy that he's like letting loose with the same evil that is in Angelus, but you do have that ongoing sense of. You know, rather than use your killing powers for evil, use them for good. You know, so he does get to, in a way, stalk and catch his prey. You know, only he's doing it with, you know, demons and vampires rather than with innocent people. So there's a little bit of his... He has, you know, gets a little bit of his fix. Even though I don't think that's really what's going on, you know, but
0: which is interesting when you think about what Spike is doing over in Buffy world
1: right with
0: you know with sort of the fighting against the demons there too right um, getting out
1: oh that movie but, that movie's called Wait Until Dark by the way i just looked it up oh okay
0: anyway. um yeah no i think i think that's a good point that although this is one of the few victims victims not the right word cuz she's like an attacker but right. like one of the few people who like angel kills that is human sure to this point at least in the show like yeah. this is this is not a demon um yeah she has sort of enhanced powers and whatever but like she's not a demon like right. this is you know the 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 things that you know one of the reasons why he gives up the ring um ring of a Mar- oh, I, mm-hmm. I think it. that's
2: right is
0: is is because you know he he feels a need to sort of be in a different realm and not be like you know taking down humans mm-hmm. and you know there's people for that he says right alluding to like kate and the police and stuff yeah. but like but like this is this is a human who sort of crossed mm-hmm. that line into his world and so yeah. Like, she is fair game in that way, but still is notable that that she's not human herself.
1: Yeah. And I think the fact that she's going after children is a big factor of that. Like, that seems to oh, be... yeah. When we talk about Lindsay, I think that seems to be one of his triggers of what makes this different than all the other soulless, yep. you know, evil people he's defended. Right. And I think for Angel, too, um, she's particularly nasty. You know, as somebody who isn't just in it, you know, for uh, you know, the the blood to survive or in it to make, you know, a profit or to be kind of you know, one of these more kind of self-serving, you know, opportunistic things or whatever, but she's in it she enjoys she it. Enjoys she enjoys it. She seems she's to enjoy it. Kind yeah. of this and the fact that like she has, like, the one bit of dialogue that we see her, like, when she's thanking Lindsay for defending her. But other than that, she, like, doesn't say anything. So she's this, like, silent, ruthless mm. killer, you know, who, whenever she goes up against Angel, is just this killing machine. Uh yeah. And doesn't really seem to have any... There's nothing there that Angel could la- latch on which is redemptive, you know. Everything is sort of about as evil and soulless as you can get, and especially going after kids, I think, puts her in that category.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, there was something else I was going to just say about her, but I can't remember what it was now. So, <laughs> yeah, we can move on. Okay. Um,
1: yeah. Well, so I do want to spend a little bit more time – on Lindsay and Holland in Wolfram and Hart, because obviously they're more important sort of mythologically. Um, and Lindsay's sort of waffling and soul-searching in this episode is kind of what it's really all about. We should mention the actor that plays Holland, uh, who's Sam Anderson. Yeah. I had to look up his his real name, but... I know sure. him as Bernard. And and <laughs> his,
0: I mean his real name's kind of a, a generic yeah, yeah, like a generic yeah. Sam Anderson. Forget, like, unless you forgettable knew name. the actor you wouldn't necessarily
1: um
0: know that. But I do um, I do
1: know him very well as Bernard in Lost and also yes. he is uh Phoebe's OBGYN in friends who loves Fonzie from Happy Days. So, there Fair you enough. go i did
0: I did not know that connection, but so like that's a good
1: you could not find three characters more different from each other than those three, sure, so <laughs> hey, I yeah. think he's a pretty versatile you know character actor, yeah. so good yeah. for him,
0: yeah. um yeah, and I mean, certainly between I don't remember I don't remember the friend's character so much, but like certainly between Bernard and. Holler. Yeah, you go from this very loving, you know,
1: devoted husband to this pretty soulless, you know, evil, yeah, uh, bureaucratic villain. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But let's start with Lindsay. Okay. So, yeah, we get, I mean, some backstory for him and the fact that. Uh, he has second thoughts, not about, not seemingly from defending his client until you get to the fact that she's going to go after these children, which is what made me think, you know, and then we get kind of his backstory of the fact that he came from, a, you know, poor family, oh, yeah. in the, you know, the house was taken out from under them and they, you know, there was six of them and no food and no shoes and he seems to sort of have this you know fear of his own sort of powerlessness like so he was Mm -hmm. powerless as a kid and couldn't you know, had no real support from his parents and so you know, growing up now, it's all about that's never gonna happen again. So being, you know, a a high-ranking lawyer seems like the obvious move there. You know, that he's, it's all about being, you know, in the big office with, you know, money and status and prestige and whatever it is that's gonna make him feel sort of secure. Um, That kind of seems to be what's motivating him up until that point. But it's this notion of he remembers what it was like to be a powerless kid. And so there's something about that that makes him, you know, have second thoughts about defending Vanessa. Um, Yeah. So. And you get the line from Angel about, you know, when he's kind of having his frustrated little rant about how, you know, nothing he does matters. And he says... Nothing changes, and then Lindsay walks in the door. <laughs> like, right,
0: right, right, like
1: you called, and well, that's
0: a that's a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah it's kind of a direct answer to that question. You know, nothing, yeah. nev- nothing ever changes. Well, does it? You know, because here we have somebody who's been from the first episode. You know, really the 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 face of the big bad you know that we Mm -hmm. have had across the season so we have him kind of waltz in and say he is you know wants angel's help and wants to leave his fur yeah
0: yeah 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 um so here's a question at least your first time watching Mm -hmm. it did you did you think he was sincere initially Like,
1: yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I bought it. Um, and, and I think I still kind of did at the end. I just think he got a better offer. You know, I I don't know that he ever, I don't know that I ever feel that that desire to want out and to leave was ever insincere. Um, I just think it seems to me that what we get is how the character is about his own power and security. And he's made an offer he can't refuse at the end. And he takes it. Um, I don't know that that means that his feelings towards vulnerable children weren't sincere or that he didn't have those real doubts and want to wish he weren't involved and want to leave or want to prevent her from carrying out her job. Um, I don't see any reason to believe that those weren't sincere in the moment, but he flops after he flips, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because like that, like, I think you're right. Like he doesn't, like you said before he didn't have any qualms about like defending people who do bad things but that's like adults and adult business and like and it
1: seems like you there know, was a line demons for demons and him. you know whatever
0: yeah. but yeah like the children sort of but like the thing is like even at the end mm-hmm. like he kind of gets to have his cake and eat it too yeah. like he saves the kid yep. he saves the kids and he saves the day yep. and kind of gets to have his rebellion And then he gets to come back with no, not, not only with no, um, consequences, but but with a reward. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like, and this is, I mean, we can figure out like, is that, you know, is that more on him or on Holland? Like we can, when we talk about Holland, like maybe that was just a clever, you know, game of chess on Holland's part. Um, maybe the killing of the kids didn't matter quite as much as,
2: mm.
0: you know, it needed or maybe, maybe it did, but maybe, you know, Holland is like the sort of guy that might have like contingency plans. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like you don't get the sense that he, cause he's clearly getting a promotion too. Yes. Like, you know, he's vacating Moving his current floor, office yeah. and going upstairs. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, this isn't just, uh, we've heard sort of vague, mentions of the senior partners and Mm -hmm. stuff before and we don't we still don't know like holland's not one of them but like he's clearly closer to them than Lindsay is so like you know he's obviously competent in his own right (laughs)
2: um
0: and and so i think yeah like there's this there's this sense of like i I mean i think you're right i totally think that Lindsay is sincere in his not wanting to kill children Mm -hmm. I think he's just as sincere like you were saying in his desire to never be poor again mm-hmm. and to make it and that everything Holland says is kind of right. Like he's thrown in with this firm mm-hmm. and he's done a lot for them and now he, you know, he doesn't want to have to throw it away and start over again. That's yeah. actually kind of his worst fear. Yeah. And so, yeah. so like yeah the the not just like you're hiring me back to do the same stuff i've been doing and busting my butt but like you're hiring me back giving me way more money and nice things and yeah. you know maybe it's different responsibilities along with that but that's that's all okay with him because that's not the stuff he like I, we, you know, we don't know how long he's been working for them but you know say it's been 10 years like, say he, right. you know, started in his early 20s. He's maybe 30-ish now. Mm-hmm. And, like, or late 20s or whatever now. Like, maybe five or six years even. But, like, yeah. like this is a pretty big move for a young man, you know, yeah. but who still has a pretty long career ahead of him. Yes. So, uh, yeah. you know, like, the the thought of leaving and the fact that he is getting what he wanted on both ends Mm -hmm. with not having dead children and also getting the promotion just really.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, you you have that sense of like, okay, he, this was a line that he couldn't cross. So he kind of bailed in order because he just couldn't, you know, uh, that seemed worse. That was worth kind of risk, but it's not like it made him swear off. You know, It's not like it made him, in the end, totally reject the notion of what Wolfram and Hart are about yeah. at a fundamental... It's that, no, he didn't want to do this job. He didn't want her to carry out her mission, so he got Angel's help. And I don't think this was all some master plan. Like, I don't know that he... Expected to get his job back at the end. I don't. Yeah, it I don't. Seem like, I think
0: he walked into Holland's office expecting not to, right. expecting to leave, and and not only leaving, but only being allowed to leave because he was blackmailing because them with he the has his security elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it
1: just so worked out that yeah, I mean, fantastic for him. Now the thing he wanted not to happen didn't happen, and he didn't have to sacrifice anything. So yeah. how. You know, you can't kind of ask for, from his point of view, a better outcome than that. So it doesn't make him question, or his questions are are small enough that he can push them aside. You know, that his desire for the position and the security are greater than whatever ethical questions he may still have.
0: Well, that, but also like... If there is something that he knows he really can't or won't be willing to do, like he knows that he's successfully pushed back now. So like he also, it's not just like that. He had, you know, he has a more powerful position like within the company, but he also has a more powerful position sort of against the company, right? Like maybe um, there's
1: this idea of now, if there are clients that I don't think we should represent or jobs that right. we don't, we shouldn't be asking them to do he now has more leverage to stop that from happening yeah. than he used to um
0: and i think i think there's an interesting so we talked you know we talked about like the blind woman and this and that you know monster of the week and and you know metaphor of the week kind of stuff mm-hmm. but like i think there's definitely a more interesting metaphor here mm-hmm. with that whole idea of just corporate Work, you know, corporate, whatever, like, I mean, I, you know, I worked in a bank for 12 years, big corporate, multinational corporation, and like, you know, I don't have anything necessarily against banks, but like, also, during that time, I was very aware that there were many people who hate this particular company. And, you know, just either because it's a big business, just because it's a big business, or, you know, for very specific reasons of, you know, they got bad customer service, or, they felt betrayed or they didn't like the way they did business in certain ways and whatever. And there were certainly even times where I felt, you know, like there were things that I didn't like about it. So, but like at the same time, I always got sort of irritated by people who just sort of felt like, you know, everyone who works at like a big corporate, you know, place is like automatically evil and, you know, wants like, the economy to suffer and for poor people to always be sort of tramped down because that also is not the case. And like having worked in that environment, like I certainly saw when there were like people who, you know, would speak up like internally, not externally, but internally would speak up and say, you know, we shouldn't do this because it's wrong or because it's treating people the wrong way. And maybe that's not the way the decision ultimately went because it might have been out of their hands or there might have been other people who had different points, or there might have just been no good solution, and you just had to make the best decision you could, right. so like I feel like like that's the sort of thing that's the sort of feeling I get when in watching this episode with Lindsay that it's like i mean i don't I don't know that there's any redeeming qualities about Wolfram and Hart per se, uh-huh. but what we can continue. You know, if if we're looking at it, though, as like a big corporate law firm, like I think there is at least some room to see at least some nuance in the people Mm -hmm. who work there. And I think that's what sort of this episode and focusing on Lindsay and his sort of crisis of identity and, uh, you know, uh, career are sort of maybe supposed to show that, like, even in... These companies that might look like the big evil firm from the outside Mm -hmm. that there that there is actually that that people in there aren't necessarily wholly evil themselves and that even if they do continue to work there and get promotions and whatever, they do at least have some level of conscience um, about what they do and and that they're not, you know, and that actually standing up in some ways can even be rewarding and that kind of thing. Now, you know, we'll see how well that plays out in right. Lindsay's particular case. I don't, I don't want to extend that too far into talk about like future stuff where we'll see.
1: Right. Wolfram because, and Hart or whatever. I mean, but one of the things that makes me wonder, and this isn't saying that this is universally true in corporations, but just for Lindsay in particular does now going back and accepting the promotion and benefiting from this make him more culpable than he was before. You know? Um, yeah. Because another but, thing that comes with greater power is greater responsibility for what's going- Yes, thank uh-huh, you, Spider-Man. Yeah. To, um, to use the Spider-Man philosophy behind it. That, like, now, okay, maybe he has greater power to stop the really heinous things that they do, but if they keep doing heinous things, he's now a lot higher up in the command chain of- you know, at least knowledge of what they're doing and maybe some responsibility for it. And, like, there's even this little... It's kind of a joke, but the... You know, when um, uh, Holland says, you know, he's moving up and he is offering all this stuff to Lindsay, he says, like, something about a thundering raise and ungodly benefits. And, like... That, that, to me, just sounds like a Faustian kind of bargain. Of, yeah, oh of yeah. The benefits are ungodly, like, right. literally. Like, what, yeah. what? what of his conscience would he sacrifice for the, you know... Now, we did see a line he was unwilling to cross, and it worked out well, but it'll be interesting to see the next time he comes to a line is he willing to cross it for the promotions and the benefits or will he keep that integrity with him as he climbs? And I don't know yet. That's going to be an interesting question.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's that and, and and, like, I want to talk about Holland and angel and stuff too. So like, we'll have to move away from Lindsay at some point, but like there is that recurring motif of you have to decide what, kind of person you are and where you belong and who you're going to be. And that that's all part like I think what everything that you just said sort of falls under that rubric of you know how how does how does he act going forward? Like you said, does it make him more culpable if he continues helping evil people do evil things? Mm-hmm does it also place him in power not just to refuse to do certain things but to actually change the way that the company right. is going. Right. So so there's there's multiple ways that this could definitely go.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And again I think, you know, I mean obviously we can't answer that yet like there's four more seasons yeah. plus an episode, you know, for things to get worked out, you know, yeah. so if if they ever do get worked out <laughs> um, you know, we can we can talk about all that but there's definitely right like i you know this there's um there's actually a term that i just learned recently that talks about sort of um the the uh you know how like there's that idea of like oh if i just had this one more thing mm i would be happy mm-hmm. you know i would i would have achieved everything and it would be but then like you get that thing and a little time goes by and then it's like no you're on to the not next happy thing, yeah. you you want something else something bigger something better yeah. um there's actually a a a psychological term for that that i just learned called the hedonic treadmill huh. that it's this idea of you're always sort of chasing you know you're on this treadmill just chasing these hedonic pleasures the thing, that, yeah. that 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 no matter what and that there's actually like um uh, you know I, i don't know if it's like an actual like number measurement but that that your amount of happiness that thing gives you you know actually diminishes like you know like chemically in your brain like less you know whatever dopamine or whatever it is that gives you pleasure you know is produced over time and whatever and so like you you know it is that thing that you know in, like, drug addicts, it, like, you know, spirals out of control, you know, with that sort of thing. But then, like, even just things like, you know, money, titles, you know, position, right. you know, like, power, that kind of thing. Like, that those things. And, and like, physical objects, too, of, you know, maybe – I mean, it could be books. Like, I love books. So, you know, it's like, oh, if I just got, like, this whatever book. But then you read it and you're like, okay, that was cool. Yeah. The next one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or, there's this-
1: like us, you have a giant stack of books that you've bought and haven't gotten around to reading yet, but you're desperate to get all the others too.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. So like just, yeah, this idea that attainment of, you know, particular items and, you know, uh, pieces or, or whatever the thing it is that you're trying to attain only gives that very momentary sense of satisfaction um, before you move on to the next thing. So,
1: and I think, uh, you know, obviously a lot, that we don't know yet about Lindsay and his, you know, I don't, I don't think we can write him off as a complete sellout at this point, but it's, there's no doubt that he's playing a dangerous game, you know, by, sure, by even if nothing else, by just opening himself up to that kind of temptation right. of accepting, uh, rather than, than sticking to his, principles and using this as the opportunity for a clean break he does you know take the promotion that they offer him which yeah. could lead to something like that where then it becomes about climbing the ladder one right one like what's the time. next thing he wants yeah. Yep. yep
0: yeah right so we'll see you know again how that plays out but like that that There is – it does seem like – because this is the thing that he wanted to attain, right, was the promotion, the money, Mm -hmm. the ungodly benefits, um, benefits. you know, and and that sort of thing. So, like – and he – I mean, we see he stays in the office and he's sort of looking out there, um, which brings us to Angel because that's exactly what Angel said. He said, you you haven't changed. Yeah. You just sort of had this crisis of conscience – and that's why I know, you know, good they save the kids, but like even up front, he's like, you, that's not a it's not change.
1: real change. You have
0: to decide to change. You, ha- you have to actually, you know, make a decision and, and stick to it and mm-hmm. whatever. And Lindsay doesn't in this case. So, right. yeah. Um, Angel's kind of right. I, I want to talk. So, I want to talk about Angel and Holland okay. together. Okay. Like we've already sort of talked about because. We get a lot of little parallels oh, yeah. between the things that they say to Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, the, especially the the lines about finding each person having a place in the world and that you have yes. to find your own place and make a decision. Yep. And they put a lot of emphasis. It's not just your place as in your destiny or your what you are chosen or fated to do, but that right. you have a place in a sense that... Is is uh, destined, but also that you have to choose it, and you have a certain amount of control, either over what your place is or just whether or not to accept it.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, I've never actually thought about it this way before, but that's almost Tolkienian. Like I'm thinking of like the the mixture of
1: like doom and chance. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, like that, like that. There is, there is this sort of faded story, but you still have to choose it. Like there's that, there's this idea of, you know, a combination between fate and free will of, of, you know, there, the story is going to unfold and it's going to unfold in one way, but it unfolds that way because you make the choice to, to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like this, this is what they're both saying. And of course, both of them sort of advocating opposite choices. Right. They both think Um,
1: Lindsay should choose the opposite thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, But again, going back to that idea um, that that I think sort of Holland states it the best, Um, you know, he's like, uh, you know, why would you come back to return some discs, you know, take a moral stand? I don't think so. Um, You never did that before. You wouldn't have had the nerve, but you're different now. You stood up to us and won. Mm. So, like, you know, it's like this idea that he did kind of make a choice, but like even in making the choice now he still has another choice to make. Right. Like,
1: well, you and know, again, he was, back to that. He was encouraged by the choice he made because by winning, he now has power over them. Yeah. So, but it, you know, but it's, it was a little also, victory, you know, so he has kind of some ammunition when he walks back in there.
0: Right, but but the ironic thing being, like, you would think that, Because he won sort of on the moral level of saving the children that like the choice was actually to go Angel's way. But it wasn't like ultimately like that's the thing It's like he makes the choice to make the stand. But then there's another choice. And so I think that's sort of what um, Angel is getting at is that it's not just like it's not like you say, oh, I made this choice. Boom, I'm done. Mm -hmm. It's again, it's that idea of the treadmill. It's not just with the pleasure, but it's also with the decisions that you have to keep you know, pursuing the the things that are good and worthy or the things that you want that are maybe evil and whatever, but it gets you some pleasurable thing. Like those are both – choice. like either – like the idea that even by not choosing, you're choosing, Mm -hmm. you know, like that there's this continual choice going on and you have to constantly be conscious of what choices you're making if you want to go a certain way. And And Um, one –
1: one moral stand does not a changed person make kind of thing that you're going to have to keep reaffirming that choice over and over till the, you know, there's no end to it.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, so Lindsay's response is sort of like, well, you don't, you don't know me as well as you think you do. And Holland's like, that's what I've been saying to you is like, it's your decision. Yeah. So either you want it or you leave. Like that's your choice. Like he's literally saying, I can't make you do one or the other. Yeah. You choose. So, and, and which again is exactly what Angel is saying. I also, also, I don't, one of the reason I actually, um, suggested, uh, which we didn't go with, but, um, one of our alternate, Titles was the "Are you afraid?" question mm-hmm. that both Angel and and right. Holland ask of Lindsay um, when they go in, and and in both cases, Lindsay is actually afraid of what's going to happen. Um, right, but you know, things work out for him. So yeah, um, so yeah, I just wanted to point they out they do kind girls, of all work out think,
1: for him. He's kind of slippery that way. Um, yeah,
0: I. I I just wanted to make sure we talked about those parallels a little bit because I I think it's very interesting the way that frames up and yeah. and how similar the messages are, obviously coming from a different angle and it all yeah it all goes again back to that what's what's your choice you know how how are you going to choose to live your life well and the
1: fact that the 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 hero of the show and Holland looks like you know. A villain if not the villain, like a pretty like the fact that he, he shoots a guy. He certainly in the head is certainly on the
0: He's certainly the most senior yeah. person we've seen so, at Wolfram and Hart. So the fact that yeah. they,
1: you know, good and evil agree on this kind of idea that you have to make these choices and decide your place in the world would would seem to imply that this is a truth. You know, like when good and evil agree on something, it's probably because it's true. <laughs> now the difference is that for angel, that's a moral decision. You know that it's about choosing uh, what kind of person you want to be and right. what 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 are you, what values do you defend and uh, what's your what's your response to the evil in the world? Is it to resist it or to perpetrated or whatever but for like Holland says you know there is no good and evil there's just power like for him this isn't about morals or ethics at all it's about your own self and what's best for you you know it's about what benefits you from a kind of I guess more hedonistic point of view you know what what advances your own position in the world and you just the decisions you make will either you know move you up or move you down the scale of power, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I guess then the question being for Lindsay, is it possible to walk the line between the two? you know is it possible to uh, kind of try to do both or is again, is sitting on the fence kind of making your decision? for you, you know, is mm-hmm. make is refusing to choose one over the other, going to kind of implicitly align him with you know one side or the other. Right. So it's interesting. I don't I don't know the answers we'll have to watch and see, but Yeah.
0: We we will have to watch and see.
1: So Any... Do we have any final thoughts about Angel? I mean, beyond the parallels to Holland, for Angel just himself, you know, the kind of... his frustration with the futility of of it all, you know? So, the sense that he can fight evil, but he has people getting them off... getting the evil off on like legal technicalities and everything. So he's, he's fighting this sort of uphill battle.
0: How can I fight evil if they can't even put it in jail? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that moment where he envies, you know, the, the totally soulless evil bad Mm -hmm. guys, because he remembers how sort of simple it was. And it's sort of like, that's what he means is, alluding to that where the, your priorities aren't about good and evil. They're about power. They're about just yourself. That's all you have to worry about. And that does make things very simple. You know, if, mm. if all you care about is satisfying your own immediate and basest pleasures and needs and desires, then you don't have to pay attention to, you know, complications like how does this affect other people? Um, right. And you can even revel in it and enjoy it, which is kind of what Angelus did. So, you know, that kind of creepy moment of him almost being a little bit wistful about, oh, remember when it was just easy and I didn't have to fight all these, you know, feudal battles. I could just kind of live, for, you know, for myself and, you know, enjoy it. And yeah. Cordy's sort of like, well, okay, don't reminisce too hard about that because, you know, we don't want you going in that direction. Um, yeah. So, I guess the other thing, too, that struck me was his, uh, the how kind of unconcerned he seems about Lindsay's change. I mean, the fact that he's sort of dubious about how deep the change is, which turns out to Be kind of justified. But, um, you know, the fact that they don't really kind of seem that concerned. Like, it's not like they launch a rescue mission when Lindsay gets sort of trapped in the building and everything. It's sort of like, Mm -hmm. you know, if he wants to change, he'll change. And if not, it's really not our problem. You know, there's not this big, like, plan to get him on their side or recruit him or, you know
0: yeah so actually and that reminds me of what i was going to say earlier about vanessa as well so like with both Lindsay and vanessa angel certainly is taking a different tack than he took with faith yes um, right so like like you yeah, have this that's a good contrast you know yeah. you know the idea of of you know he's very much in faith's corner yeah. and like Believing that she can change and wants to change. But for, I mean, Vanessa, he doesn't even try. Um, I mean, not really like this isn't like you're human. I know you can be better than this. Right. There's no like pep
1: talk. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is, he's, he's actually very much handling it. Like Buffy wanted to handle faith, you know, like um, with Lindsay, you know, it's more mocking and, you know, he's not trying to kill him per se, but it's like, yeah, right, you haven't changed. So yeah, I think I think you're right. He does handle that different. I you know, I can we just chalk that up to like rampant cynicism. Like sure. he's have he's having a bad day and is feeling very frustrated yeah. with what we'd already seen and and maybe just Okay, like he doesn't handle it the best. Right, right. <laughs> um or is there is there something fundamentally different between them and faith? Perhaps that's also true. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't know that I have a particular answer, but I think it's I I think I'm glad you brought it up because it's definitely worth uh noting that that is the case. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I could just see that as a he's not in the mood to be holding Lindsay's hand while he cries about his sad past because Angel has kind of a sad past too. So, you know, and he's paying, you know, the, yeah. the penalty for his sins and everything. So he doesn't have a lot of, you know, sympathy for Lindsay's sob story. Um, right. But also there's just that sense of, you know, like with Faith, you you have the, the sense that, because he knew her kind of before she went off the rails. There's more of that sense of wanting to help her get back. You know, whereas... Lindsay's been kind of antagonistic from the start. So he doesn't have a whole re A lot of reason to trust that the change is sincere, I guess. Um mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, maybe if Lindsay had persisted in trying to prove something to Angel, we would see him being a little bit more open to that, but it doesn't really go there uh, by the end of this episode anyway.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh.
1: And I guess just the last thing too, again with the sense of you have a choice, but you also have a place in the world. uh, The fact that his name was in this scroll um, so yes, you know we need to
0: talk about the prophecy
1: so there's a sense of of certain amount of things being foretold or foreseen or something um, and that angel's place is sort of uh, you know laid out, and maybe he still has to choose it, but it is still in a way kind of laid out for him um yeah. That's what I got from it.
0: Yeah. No, I just... I mean, I don't know that we can say a lot about the prophecy, but definitely wanted to bring it up. Um, It will come into play. Okay. Later. I mean, like, that... So, I, you know, before we start recording, I noted that we are coming up on the, you know, finale of the first season here. So, like, it's not insignificant that he finds this scroll with a prophecy on it at this point, perhaps. (laughs) Um, And whether and how that works out, obviously I don't want to say anything, but like, you know, as, as Wesley sort of says, you know, there's a design, it, it might be hidden in the chaos, but it's there and you have your place in it, which is, you know, like, like we've been talking about with Lindsay, like that's, that's the, you know, angels feeling on a different level, perhaps, but similarly, I think in some ways, to Lindsay's feelings that he's not maybe in the right place or having the right impact. And so there's a lot of, you know, as much as there might be a parallel between what Angel and Holland are saying to Lindsay, there's also a parallel between Lindsay and Angel of trying to find their place in the world. So um,
1: yeah. And having sort of doubts about what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And the effectiveness and whether it's even the right thing Mm -hmm. or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. uh, I mean, and, Right, so Angel sort of senses this scroll and doesn't really have a sense of why he grabbed it, but right, um, you do get the sense that like maybe the whole monster of the week thing was to get him into that vault right. and you well, know, and
1: I noticed on the second watch, place, like when he notices the scroll, there's this sort of like angelic choir, that, like you get this kind sure. of like you know. Uh, it has a very, like, almost religious significance or something. Like, this is the prof- the prophecy coming to film yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think that's important. Um, I don't really have a lot for Wesley or Cordy, but I did want to yeah, yeah. mention two of the other characters just very quickly. One is Lila. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wondered what she's doing in that archive room. The fact that she and Lindsay kind of bump into each other and both are kind of, we know why he's being sort of cagey about what he's doing there, but she was too. So it kind of one makes me wonder what, what kind of things is she snooping around down there that, you know, she's maybe not trying to draw attention to herself as well. Um, either for good or for bad, you know, I don't. I don't really wanna place any bets now which, you know for which side that might be on. Um Fair enough. But the fact that, you know, Lindsay had second thoughts means maybe some other people are too. So, um, you know, she could be doing something a little snoopy. Um the other one i wanted to mention was gun and the fact that angel does call him in for some help like he said he would so mm-hmm. you know and and help us in the sense of like a favor like he's not right really part of the team you know necessarily but just a hey i need somebody to make a distraction you know um, right and yeah it's it's an alliance it's, yeah, it's not yeah and and you get yeah. the sense that he he's still the kind of Adrenaline junkie that he takes it because it's yep. dangerous and that's the main thing um and also strangely even though you know we saw his sister die in the last episode much more like upbeat and humorous than we saw him in the first one that
2: hmm.
1: he seemed to have like he seemed like such a serious you know leader of this ragtag group and everything. And now we just kind of see him on his own. Um, and, like, causing a distraction, yeah. but doing it in a kind of, like, subversive, you know, like he's going to make fun of them while he's doing it, too. Um,
2: sure.
1: So it was just interesting. Like, it seemed like a slightly different take on the character than what we'd seen uh,
0: the yeah. last time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we don't get a good sense of how much time has passed. Although we know, like when Cordy calls Willow and Saga like they're also in the process of decrypting the stuff that
1: they had. So, like, yeah, we know, yeah. like,
0: it's not a ton of time has passed. But yeah, I think you're right. Like, there is there is a bit of a sense that Gunn sort of got over the death of his sister <laughs> kind of quickly. Um, I won't I won't deny that but like
1: that's okay it didn't bother me hugely I just didn't expect him to come in with all that energy and like you know you're right um, it's not like it's just oh good it's dangerous like I just have a death wish but like he came in with this kind of like gusto that I didn't really see Mm -hmm. coming um so just interesting I guess for me like I'll be interested to see how much he continues to be as we get to know him more is he more like that very serious focused person or is he more like this kind of like tongue in cheek and like having fun while he's also doing the dangerous stuff um,
2: Yeah.
1: so yeah yep. anyway
2: cool.
1: well wow. alright Next week we'll be back. Uh, season finale of Buffy. which I get to yeah. watch now? I'm very excited.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious to see your thoughts on it. Given uh, that yeah. we know that the the climax has already. Yeah,
1: I haven't the slightest uh, idea. Good. So.
0: Yeah. No. I, I mean, obviously, like once you watch it. Yes. Be be curious. So we'll get into that next week and uh, and some more Doctor Who too. We'll Get to figure out what. Slip with Claire, or maybe a little bit.
2: Yeah,
1: sounds good. See you then.